Okay, so a priest, a minister, and a rabbi <laughs> went to see who's the best at his job. So they each go into the woods, find a bear, and attempt to convert it. Later, they get together and they share their experiences. The priest begins, when I found the bear, I read from the catechism and I sprinkled him with holy water. Next week is his first communion. I found a bear by a stream, said the minister, and I preached God's holy word. And the bear was so mesmerizing, he let me baptize him. They looked down at the rabbi who was lying on a gurney and a body cast. Ugh, looking back, he'd said, maybe I shouldn't have started with circumcision. <laughs> That has nothing to do with the sermon whatsoever today. I just, I just thought that was hilarious when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, Jamie asked me, it's like, well, just like, do you want to call Scott to make sure that one's okay? I'm like, I think, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. Okay, well, good morning, beloved. I am so excited to see everyone here. Um, so... Scott and Janet, um, as Stacy was saying, they, they were invited uh, so that Scott could do a worship set up at their, the 75th anniversary of, of their old church. Um, so we just, you know, bless them and hope that they were just blessing everyone else there. Um, so S.I. McMillan, in his book, None of These Diseases, tells the story of a young woman who wanted to go to college. But her heart sank when she read the question on the application blank that asks, are you a leader? Being honest and conscientious, she replied no, and returned the application expecting the worst. To her surprise, she received this letter from the college. Dear applicant, a study of the application forms revealed that this year our college will have 1,452 leaders. We are accepting you because we feel that it is imperative they have at least one follower. So it just goes to show that sometimes to get to where you want to go, it's good to consider yourself a follower. And, that's a, and on a grander scale, that's actually what this morning's passage is going to be about. It's, uh, we're going to take a look at Romans 8, uh, 12 through 18. So I'll give everybody just a minute, but we'll just go ahead and we'll start out and we'll, we'll read that passage. Um, and we're actually going to be picking up um, right after, of course, where Scott had, had left off last week. Romans 8, 12 through 18. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I'd like to, to stop and for all of us to pray. 
Dear Father, dear Son, dear Holy Spirit, we thank you and we praise you. Uh, Lord, we just lift up our, our hearts, our spirits, our souls, Lord, every bit of us this morning. Lord, and we just pray that you would be at work here this morning. Lord, transform us. Speak to the needs that we have. And Lord, we just, we just pray that you would help us to take hold of whatever message you have for each of us and use that, Lord, to turn us into the image of Jesus Christ. And Lord, also, we, we pray for Scott and Janet and for everyone that's at the, the Morgan Hill uh, Church, Lord, that, that you would just bless them abundantly, Lord, that, that they would just feel your presence this morning, Lord, that they would know that you're with them and that you love them. Lord, and we just, we just praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's discover what Paul is sharing um, by starting with the first two verses. So verses 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I apologize, uh, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, who's this passage written to? I like to ask lots of questions when, I, when I'm teaching the kids. So. Sorry? It is believers. It starts out, how does, we'll see, verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters. So in chapter 1 of Romans, I mean, Paul makes it very clear that he is addressing the whole book to believers. It was a letter written to the believers in Rome. But I think that he's restating that here in this passage because he wants to emphasize something. And that is that, there, that we all have an obligation. So Sally, Pete, Bob, you know, New Life family, we all have an obligation. And just to make sure we're on the same page, an obligation is an act or a course of action to which a person is morally or legally bound. It's a duty or a commitment. So what in the world do we do to get ourselves in this situation? Okay, so look at the first word in verse 12. What is that word? Therefore. Okay, so that means we have to look back. Now, for this particular situation, I don't think we have to look very far. If you look back to the previous verse in Romans 8.11, it says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, who, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So this, this verse mentions the wonderful gift, a wonderful gift that God gave us. He gave to every believer. And that is life. That is Zoe life. Which Zoe is defined the absolute fullness of life. Life real and genuine. True life that is worthy of the name. A life active and vigorous. Devoted to God. Blessed enjoyable, fresh, strong, powerful, and endless in the kingdom of God. God's gift provides us an opportunity to experience Zoe while we're here on earth, and it guarantees us that we're going to experience that for eternity when we get to heaven. In verse 12, Paul's informing us that it's in response to this gift that we have an obligation to God to live according to the Spirit and not the flesh. Now, now this dichotomy between the, the spirit
spirit and the flesh is something that Paul talks about quite a bit in his writings. He's already talked about it a good bit in Romans. And in fact, Scott even talked about this last week, where he was talking about keeping your mind on the, the things of the spirit as opposed to the things of the flesh. Now, Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 17, and 18, for the flesh, I'm sorry, to, to understand what we're talking about when we say the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Okay, so now the wonderful news for us is that when we gave our lives to Christ, this, this flesh part of us was actually made powerless. In fact, it says even just a little bit farther down in Galatians, in Galatians 24 and 25, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So our flesh, before coming to Christ, has always prevented us from doing the, from being righteous, from doing the right things. I'm sorry, I'm having, having some problems keeping this thing where it needs to be. So it kept us from being true, from our being our true and holy and awesome selves. But the thing is, it can't stop us anymore. We are under no obligation to continue in the sinful acts that characterized or, or that may still characterize certain aspects of our lives. Now, the thing is, we're not out of the woods yet. As Sally was sharing a little bit earlier, I mean, some of us still have one or two little things that need to get worked on, right? Right. Okay, so obviously there's something, there's something going on here. Okay, we don't, we don't have the sinful nature anymore, but yet we still sin, so something's happening. Well, so there's, I'll say there's a few things that we, ha- that we, few issues that we still have to work on. Now, for one, is that we have trained ourselves, no matter how old you are, you have trained yourselves to think and act in certain ways. And some of those aren't good. So, and to give you an example, um, in our brain, I don't know if, if people have heard, and maybe I've talked about this before, we, we have thought patterns. There's actually, physically, groups of neurons in our brains that actually store memories and store thoughts. And so the more you think along a certain line, the, the bigger and the more dense that group of neurons get. And so what happens is, after you've thought along a certain lines for so long, you're going to have the tendency to continue thinking that way. We have actually trained ourselves to think either righteously or unrighteously. Now, the good thing is, you can actually, if you start thinking in a different way, your brain will actually change. And those group of neurons, will, they, they will dissolve and you'll actually form new thought patterns. Now, the point is that while God has brought our spirit, to, our spirit to life and that the Holy Spirit has come to live in us, you know, there's still parts of us that are going to need to be redeemed. And, and don't get discouraged if that comes slowly. You know, remember, if, it's, if it, if it spent you, took you a year or 10, or 50, or more, to get yourself into a bad situation, it's probably going to take more than a week to get out of it. And, and so the, the big thing is, 
just understand that, you know what, as long as, as long as I'm heading in the right direction, as long as I'm heading toward righteousness and God and life, then you know what, it doesn't matter how long it takes me to get there, I'm going to get there. So, so just celebrate and, and praise God for every victory you have, no matter how small it is, because you know what, you're still heading in the right direction and you're going to get there. Okay, uh, second thing that we have this, this working against us is the fact that, you know what, there's, there's sin out there. You know what, it's not just my sin that I have to worry about. There's actually, and shouldn't be worrying anyways, but it's not only my sin that there's an issue that causes me problems, but there's other people's sin that can cause me problems. And part of that is because, you know, every day, I don't know if y'all know this, but I've kind of noticed there's bad things out in the world that I come across every single day. And so every time I, I come across that, I have to avoid temptation into pursuing something. Or in some cases, you know, sin has a way of finding me whether I mean for it to or not. And people will share their sin openly and readily with me. Um, and that can still affect me even if I don't want it to. If somebody gets mad at me or hits me or does something, you know what, I can, I can take that on. I can take that wound on and start thinking out of, you know, acting and thinking out of a bad place myself. Okay, and lastly, um, don't, I don't mean this to be, I'm not saying this to insult anyone, but you know what? We're all ignorant. You know, we're all ignorant being that we don't know everything. And our ignorance at times will get us into trouble because if I don't understand who God really is and if I don't understand who I really am and how the world is really supposed to work, then I can step into it. I, I can... I can, I can start thinking out of lies and be making bad decisions. Okay, so what do we do? Now, Scott actually dealt a lot with this last week, so this is going to be something of a continuation of what he was saying, because last week, again, he was talking about dealing with the flesh and the spirit in the realm of your thinking. And, and, that, and, and like Sally was saying, that's where the, the big battlefield is going to be. Um, and so the thing is, you know, Paul said last week, and he's saying this week too, that the path to righteousness is in, the, is in living in the Spirit. Now, we ha and also too, I'll mention, if, if you haven't heard Scott's message last week, I would recommend it. It's, it's really good, and it, gives you, it warns you about the ways that we typically try to deal with sin, and then it tells you, here's the right way to deal with it. And again, we get to the same point. It's, it's in the Spirit. So now the thing is, we still have a part to play, but our role is to focus on God and not on our sin. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So, so seek God so that he can sanctify you. And, you know, because that's what sanctification, that's what that transformation into the person you're supposed to be is really all about. Seeking God with the abandon to the exclusion of all else. And if you do that, you'll find that the misdeeds of the body that Paul talks about will be put to death as a natural consequence. Now, again, Scott gave last week in his message um, some practical steps for growing in your life in the Spirit, and I won't expound on them, but I think they do, um, do warrant repeating. And, and he, he, was, he was awesome. He came up with this little acronym of MIND. 
make a decision to change your exposure, change the things that you think about. Increase your Bible input. Now soak in that input and determine to tune into God. So, again, go back and, and take a listen to that if you haven't. But to this list, I'm actually going to add a few of my own because his was specifically with the mind. I'm going to take. I'm going to broaden it out a little bit, and I'm going to give you five things. And there was I actually put five blanks on the note sheet. I was actually thinking somewhat this morning. Um, and, and I'm actually going to list these, and I numbered them because this is coming in order of importance. Number one is the most important, and that is choose God. Make the choice that pursuing God is the most important thing in your life and that he is worth forsaking everything else. And then ask him to hold, him, hold you accountable to that decision. Now, I, I'm not going to worry too much about giving a balanced message that, yes, your, your family's important and everything else is important, and don't worry, if you choose God, he's going to take care of those. He's not going to tell you to run off and abandon your family or anything. But the thing is, he has to come first. Okay, next, number two is communicate with him. Pray, praise, chat, complain if you need to. I, <laughs> just... It, ask him what's on his mind, and then listen. You know, and, and the thing is, do it often. You know, Paul tells us do it continually, do it all the time. And also, try to learn how he best communicates with you. Um, when we say listen, that doesn't mean God's always going to audibly say, you know, Pete, this is God. <laughs> he does he does that occasionally, but I haven't had experienced that. However, I would still say that I hear God at times. You know, it's just, and the thing is, we can all hear God a little differently. Uh, and, and I'll say God can use all five senses, or, you know, for some people, he, he may choose more just to use one. Okay, uh, number three, seek his presence. Okay, pursue his presence through the way that you best connect with him. You know, that, that could be worship. Uh, that can be uh, in solitude. That can be outdoors on a hike. It could be reading the scriptures. Um, just however you feel closest to him, go get close to him. And the thing is, if, if you're like me and you're the kind of person who says, well, it's like I got a lot of other obligations and I don't, have a lot, I don't feel like I have a lot of time to, to do that, well, reprioritize. And so I'm here, I'm looking at my mirror, reprioritize. Because you know what? He's more important than, than something. Something can give. Okay, number four. Be intentional about repentance. Okay. Now, I said, that, I said focusing on God was the biggest thing. Still is. I'm not saying that all of a sudden I'm switching gears and saying, okay, okay, well, you have to focus on God, and now you have to focus on your sin. That's not the case. But the thing is, I'm not saying that you shouldn't deal with sin. Don't get obsessed by it. If you make mistakes, fine. You make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Don't get obsessed with your mistakes. But recognize it and make the choice to change. And then follow through with it. And I'm saying, I mean this seriously because I'm guilty of this. I'm like, oh, I messed up. I am sorry, Lord. Done. It's a good first step. But I, I, you know, I go over, I, I say something to Sally, I'm mean to Sally, I hurt her feelings, and I'm completely wrong. So I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that to Sally. 
And if that's the end, you're stopping short. The thing is, in this case, I sinned against Sally. I need to go make amends. You know, or maybe somebody, maybe it's two-way street. Maybe she said, you know, we threw words back and forth. Maybe I need to forgive her. You know, repentance is not, it's not just I'm sorry. Repentance is actions to make sure you're going in the other direction. Repentance, it really, literally, it's like if, if I'm heading this way, I'm heading down towards sin. Repentance is, oh, I got to go this way. It's, it's changing directions and doing the right thing. Um, and then okay, other things. Talk to God about changing. Be intentional about exhibiting the opposite behavior. Get discipled by someone who has victory in that area if you need to. I have a problem with anger. I find somebody who used to have a problem with anger. They can probably help me. Um, oh, and also, too, if you can get other people to pray for you. Intercede on your behalf. You know, if you ever need prayer for something, let me know. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And I think all of us here would. Okay, number five. Um, and again, we're going in order of importance, so this is, this is the least effective, but still can be helpful. Uh, remove temptation. Okay, so this is make changes in your life to remove temptation. Um, if you have friends that are a bad influence on you, then yes, remove yourself from those friends until you're strong enough that they don't influence you anymore. If you have, a, or if, say you, if we, any of us, have a problem with we drink too much, then don't have it in the house. You know, if we have a problem, especially guys, that we're looking at stuff we shouldn't be looking at, well, don't allow there to be an opportunity to do it. Turn off the TV, cut off the cable, install some software on the computer, throw the computer in the trash. It doesn't matter. Just try to remove the temptation. And the reason I say this is the least effective is it, it's, it can very much help you. Um, well, I'll admit, like on, on my computer, I have, I have reporting software on mine. So if I start doing something I shouldn't be doing, then Jamie gets an email. It's effective. But, but the thing is, I can get around that stuff if I truly want to. We all can. We're all smart enough to, to get around the, you know, any kind of barrier that we try to put in place. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go on to, to our next section here. This is um, verses 14 through 16 of, the, of our passage. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, for so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That is awesome. All right, so this, this passage reveals the glorious transition that took place at our conversion from being slaves to fear and sin to the sons and daughters of the Almighty God. All right, so I'm going to take this one just verse by verse. Um, so the first verse, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Okay, um, I'm going to have to say, this is how you, don't, this is how you do not read the verse, that... I don't feel like I'm being led by the Spirit. I must not be a child of God. It's not what's intended here. You're not always going to be in lockstep with the Spirit. As much as we want, you know, no matter how mature you are, um, there's going to be times where you're failing. That does not mean that you stop being a child of God. I, the way that I believe that you read this to be consistent with Scripture is that if you are a child of God, you are being 
well, at least the Holy Spirit is attempting to lead you. The Holy Spirit is always out there between wherever you are and wherever God is. The Holy Spirit is in the, between the two of you and saying, come on, come on, we're going this way. I kind of look at it, you know, in that respect, the, the, the Holy Spirit is kind of like a tour guide. Um, I don't know if, you, if y'all have been on too many tours like this, but um, when I was in the military, I, I was giving lots of tours of uh, the launch pads. We'd have big groups of, you know, sometimes 50 people who'd be, kind of, who'd be going through there. And so you're always kind of out there, we're walking, we're walking. Because the thing is, if you're a tourist, well, you're looking around everywhere, right? And so you may not always pay attention to the person who's trying to lead you in the right direction. But the wonderful thing is about the Holy Spirit is that no matter where, where you find yourself, if you're on the, the, the tallest peak of spiritual victory, it's like, oh, no sin can conquer me. Or if you're in the dark, dank pit of despair, you know, the Holy Spirit's always there with you. Come on, you're going this way. We're heading toward God. So, that, so that's what this verse is talking about. In, in fact, it's actually saying, you know, so you don't have to fear. You shouldn't fear. In fact, actually, that's what the next verse says. Verse 15 is, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So, unlike our life before Christ, we can actually be free of fear. Not seeing this easy, but I, I truly believe it's possible. In the Christian life, if you find that you are afraid of failure or judgment, then understand your feelings are not aligned with God's will. He says many, many times, fear not. So God doesn't, uh, doesn't intend for us to be motivated out of fear. Instead, he wants to motivate us out of our identity. He wants us to understand our nature, our potential, our position in the family uh, through adoption and our destiny and our waiting reward. You know, that, and that's one of the big messages in today's passage. Paul is reminding, uh, reminding us of our strong connection to a holy and a loving God. In fact, to that end, Paul even says that we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba um, is actually an Aramaic word. There's a few languages that the the New Testament or the Bible was written in. That just happens to be one of them. And it's a word that we most uh, closely translate as as daddy. Um, It was a common term that young children would use to address their fathers um, and it signifies a close, intimate relationship with the father to his child, as well as childlike trust that the child puts in, in his daddy. So at, now at the same time, verse 16 talks to the assurance that God seeks to provide us concerning our adoption. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So if you have accepted Jesus is your Savior, and you're pursuing a relationship with him, you have nothing to worry about. If you can't feel the, the testimony of the Spirit, you know, then just ask. Ask the Spirit. He, Paul writes the word testifies. It's, it's written in present tense. You know, when we say that the Spirit testifies that, that we're the children of God, it wasn't an event that happened when you were saved, or it wasn't a one-time thing at any point in your life. 
it is a, it is a constant. Just like he's leading, he's also testifying. And now, in, if you can't hear him, if you do ask and you're just like, listen, like I, I've asked several times and I'm like, I'm listening and it's just, I just don't hear anything. I don't feel like he's talking to me. Um, then really my, my best suggestion is get with people, especially those people that, that, you, you know, that you know have heard from God, and ask. Ask with them. I'll say that I really enjoy being, doing sozo ministry. Something, you know, if you haven't gone through it, it's something I know we talk about quite a bit. It's fun. It really is fun to do because the thing is, I know that no matter how rotten of a week I have had, if, there, if we're doing a sozo sh- session, oh man, the Holy Spirit's showing up. Seriously, I've, gone, I've done this before. I'm just like, oh man, I'm having the worst week, but I'm doing the sozo, so I know what's going to happen. Um, because in every session I've been a part of, um, both you know, re- receiving or giving a sozo, um, the Holy Spirit's always, always spoken. Um, and one of the things that we always do is we always ask. You know, you know we, we always get the person to ask, Lord, you know, especially if we're dealing with a certain issue, Lord, how do you see me? What do you think about me? Who am I in your eyes? Every single time the Lord has said. It, you know, if not to the person, he said to one of the people there through a vision or something, which I'll say had no meaning for us, but it certainly had meaning for the person who heard it. So the thing is, the Holy Spirit is just is waiting to testify who you are because you know what? God loves you. You know, my, my, if my daughter comes up and says, you know, Daddy, who am I? Oh, man. You know, you better believe I'm going to tell her. I tell her when she doesn't ask. It's what we do. It's what we do when we love someone. All righty. Let's, okay, so let's gonna, we'll hit up our, our last two verses here. Um, okay, so we built everybody up. Now let's talk about suffering. So verses 17 and 18. Ha, 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 yeah. Now, if we are children, then, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So I'm, I'm kind of jumping across paragraphs there because I think verse 18, you can't do 17 without 18 here. Um, okay, so did you know that life in the spirit involves suffering? Okay, life in general, oh man, yeah, suffering, got, got the suffering down, know how to do it. But even life in the spirit involves suffering. Um, and, and if that doesn't seem right, I'll actually, I'll, I'll take you back to what, what happened right after Jesus received the Holy Spirit. He was led into the wilderness where he got, well, for one, he didn't eat or drink for 40 days, and then he got tempted by the devil. Okay, so it's interesting that even right after he accepted the Spirit, Jesus went through probably one of his hardest things other than the cross. Okay, um, so, but what do we do with that? Um, for one, let's differentiate a little bit. I don't think that Paul is saying that, that all suffering is the same. Um, because when you look at the verse, you know, he, he's saying that, let's see, if indeed we share in his sufferings. This isn't I fall, I break my arm. 
This is sharing in the sufferings that Jesus Christ had. And so while Jesus was on earth, he suffered in living a sinless life and in bringing, and bringing us into that life. So I think what Paul is, is referring to here is the hardship that we encounter in carrying out God's will in our lives. It, it's a struggle of saying no to temptation, of giving sacrificially, and experiencing rejection when we're trying to reach out to a broken people. But how do we handle that? How do we handle knowing that we're going to suffer, and especially how do we handle actually going through the suffering itself? Well, I think we follow Paul's example, um, that we put suffering into proper perspective. In verse 18, he compares the suffering that we are going to experience with the promise of glory that we are going to experience. And I think that, that Paul is well qualified to make this comparison. I don't think that anybody's going to argue that Apostle Paul did not know what it was like to suffer. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 23 through 29, he presents uh, to, to a, actually, he presented a defense of his apostleship to the Corinthians. So ver, starting with verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I am more so, and this is where it gets important, and far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I didn't get shipwrecked three times. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers. And uh, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? This man probably suffer, experienced suffering more than most humans that have ever lived. And the thing is, and he even makes the point, it wasn't even all external. It wasn't people just physically hurting him. It was also the stuff on the inside, which is a lot more of what we deal with, right? So he, de- he went through all of that. And, and the thing is, like, can you even imagine going through part of that stuff? But the... But Yet he says they are not even worthy of comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, Paul could say this because he lived in the Spirit and he had a greater insight into the glory to come than most. So on the road to Damascus when he was converted, he saw light from heaven. He heard the voice of the risen Lord, which to everyone else just sounded like thunder. He continually experienced the leading of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in his ministry. I mean, he was, Spirit told him where to go, and the Spirit did amazing miracles through his hands. And he, and he actually received enough revelation to write half of the New Testament. This is a man who had a lot of insight into the glory that was to come. So I would say that 
let's follow his example by keeping our, keeping our perspective about suffering and continuing to live in the Spirit like he was living in the Spirit. As far as keeping our perspective, I'll just, I'm just going to mention a few things really quick. Um, first of all, remember that suffering doesn't come from God, and neither is God too weak to do anything about it. Um, we, we can have a tendency to focus a lot when we do have pain, to focus on that pain and forget that God can still act. Um, and especially, he can, and, he, and the thing is, he's going to act. God isn't, he isn't the source of the suffering, but he can still do amazing and glorious things in that suffering if we let him. Um, one example is uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's like, look, you saying, you know, rejoice in what you're going through because it's only going to make you stronger. Um, also keep in mind that, that suffering is, is fleeting. Now, okay, suffering is fleeting, but your life is eternal. And, and then the thing is, and if you look at the, in the grand scale, and I know it's hard because we're on this side of eternity, but in the grand scale of things, any suffering, no matter how long it is, is only a moment. Okay, one last thing is that we're going to be rewarded. Um, in fact, James 1, uh, verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So not only do, do we get built up, do we get strengthened, but also, too, we have a heavenly reward waiting on us for going through the suffering, through sharing in Christ's suffering. Okay, so in conclusion... Follow the leader. When you accepted the, the glorious gift of salvation in life, you did take on an obligation. We all did. And that obligation is to follow the Holy Spirit. Work hard to fulfill that obligation because it's going to allow you to most fully experience the life he's given you, your connection to God and his family, and it's going to allow you to keep your perspective during suffering as you're transformed into the image of Jesus Christ in the midst of a broken world. So I'm going to pray real quick, and we'll have the worship team come back up. Uh, Lord, please let us do that. Lord, please help us to follow the Holy Spirit. Lord, it's not by our power that any of us are truly going to be changed. Um, Lord, it's only through our, our cooperation. Lord, please help us to choose you above all other things. Lord, so that you can work mightily in our lives to transform us into the people you want us to be, to help us enjoy this life as much as we possibly can. And Lord, to, to get to heaven, Lord, where there is no suffering, where there, are, there is no hardship. Lord, it is only you and your glory and the glory that you're going to reveal in us. So Lord, just help us this week as we go about to, to live out these words um, and just to be mindful of everything that we can do to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.